Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thank you, Doug. Well, snow and cold continue dominating the outdoors report and access remains an issue, especially on smaller lakes around North Dakota. Devil's Lake has some plowed trails, however, and anglers are getting out. But the caveat is the chilly weather's cutting into the number of folks venturing out, and they need to stay on a trail unless they're using a tracked vehicle. Otherwise, be prepared to get stuck and probably stay there for a while. Anglers are still finding some walleye and perch, but overall it's slowed on Devil's Lake. Look for better success on Pelican Lake and Lake Irving, but the challenge there is accessing both lakes. Lake Ashtabula continues producing a nice mix of walleye and perch for those anglers out there on their tracked vehicles. Otherwise, folks aren't getting around much on the lake itself with its heavy snow cover. The possibility of having water come up through holes when drilling exists as well because of the weight of the snow. Look for activity around Ashtabula Crossing, though, too. Reports are limited from other mid-sized reservoirs and generally access is a problem on smaller lakes. However, when and where anglers can get on, they could find some perch or walleye success depending on the day. In other words, it's typical fishing. Anglers continue accessing Lake Audubon off the Totten Trail boat ramp on the southwest north, excuse me, that's the northwest end of the lake. It's along Highway 83. But success is spotty and inconsistent. Work shallow in the evening, deeper in the day for walleye and perch. The east end of Lake Sakakawea continues producing walleye from Wolf Creek in about 20 to 25 feet along the south shore. And pike spearing, or st- you know, pike spearing still finding some success. And it helps with that nice clear water that they've got. The snow's providing ample snowmobiling opportunities, but it's starting to stress wildlife that's already stressed coming into winter because of the drought conditions of the past summer. When you toss in stressed deer that may have survived in areas of this past year's EHD outbreak, they really don't need any extra struggles. The bottom line is stay away from sheltered areas and don't chase, harass, or push wildlife of any type, feathered or four-legged. Those areas of cover mean food and survival. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale, and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. We are really excited to uh, bring our next guest in. We have Brett Wiedemann from North Dakota Game and Fish. He's a big game biologist. He's in charge of the North Dakota 
Bighorn Sheep Program. Brett, uh, thanks for taking some time with us this morning to be on Gone Outdoors. Happy to be here. So, Brett, you have been doing this for quite some time. Uh, Take us back. Take our listeners back a little bit to kind of give them a picture of how you how you kind of came to be where you are with this program. Oh, goodness. It's a <laughs> long story. But yeah, I went into wildlife in college. And then after that, I, I worked with uh, wolves and deer and moose and critters like that up in Minnesota. And then I actually was worked at a zoo for a few years. And then 19 years ago, I was hired with uh, Game and Fish as a big game biologist. And then, like you say, program leader for bighorn sheep. And you've been there ever since. Ever since it's flown by, as <laughs> some say, I got the best job in the department. So, 19 years ago, I had my dream job and and kind of uh, uh, made it to where I wanted to be. And yeah, it's really flown by. It's a really really enjoyable position for sure. Well, it's enjoyable, and it's uh, part of that enjoyment. I'm certain has to come from its success, which you've had a big part of. Brett, what is the history of bighorn sheep in North Dakota, and how come this is such a significant program? Well, generally, uh, bighorns were extirpated in 1905. It's kind of the last known big native bighorn was killed in Magpie Creek, if hunters are familiar with hunting the Magpie Creek area. And then uh, some uh, you know, staff at that time in 1956 had the foresight to reintroduce bighorn sheep. So they're really only absent for about 50 years and found some stock, uh, inter- a stock of bighorns in British Columbia, and they were introduced in 1956. And they did, they did those bighorns did okay, but it was a challenge for about, about uh, 40 years where we just didn't have real good lamb recruitment, simply because the, the, the climate in British Columbia is much more mild than North Dakota with our severe winters. So in the really paradigm shift occurred in, in uh, 2006 and 2007, where our, our friends and colleagues with Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks offered uh, bighorns to be translocated in 2006, 2007. These are these big bodied, big horned uh, stock that were more similar to the native bighorns of North Dakota. So those were introduced then. Uh, seem doesn't seem like that long ago, but it's quite a few years ago now. And they, they just, just have done so well. So it's very, very good lamb recruitment, lamb survival, population growth has been really good so so the population is growing a little bit every year you guys are managing it um is that all from natural reproduction were those first two years the only two years that you actually put in stocked bighorns yeah well we we did uh first introduction was in 1956 and then we've done yeah subsequent to that we did a couple from oregon and a couple from Idaho and those had mixed results, but really the 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 big increases today are are due to those stock from Montana. I mean, when when we brought in those sheep from Montana, when I was first hired in 2019, we were really at a low point. We we had just over 100 bighorns in the state, and they weren't doing well. And some people were rightly suggesting, oh, maybe we just give up on bighorns. But we certainly didn't want to do that because you know they're a native species, and we want them here for a number of reasons. Um, so we just kept kept managing, but yeah, ever since we put in those, uh, those Montana sheep, and then of course we would take some of those and move them to other areas, and you know some herds that were, you know, five animals, you know, back in 06 and 07. Now you know we have 50 bighorns in that area, 60 bighorns in another area where you know we just had a handful. So just you get that good lamb survival, and then over time, bighorns are a long-lived animal. Ewes can live to be 20, 25 years old. So over time. 
you know, what, what begins with just a, a few animals uh, can really grow to a substantive number. So like right now, we like last year, we had our all-time record count since reintroduction was last year. And, you know, this year, I, I, I won't complete the count until March, but we're going to be close to maybe even breaking the, the count from last year, having a new record count. We'll just have to see. But, yeah, they're doing, they're doing really well. That is fantastic. Uh, that's success. And, and it makes sense when you tell that story, how those Montana stock were more closely related to what we may have had here in the past. So what type of habitat, uh, you know, some of us may be familiar with bighorn sheep, but uh, in North Dakota, we have a, a lot of diverse different types of habitat. Where are these sheep found and where do they live? Yeah, so basically the, the bighorns managed by game and fish are found along the Little Missouri River. You know, in the in the badlands, where if you if you hunt mule deer out there, and within the the, the little Missouri breaks, this the biggest, roughest, nastiest stuff out there is typically where you're going to find the bighorns. So steep, you know, the stuff when you're mule deer hunting that you don't want to hunt because it's so <laughs> steep and yep. so steep and rugged. That's what the bighorns love. And then, uh, so basically, if you know, you know, it's south of the interstate where we don't have many left, but they they go all the way north through the north unit of the park, and then following the river now all the way east into the confluence where the little Missouri River. Uh, dumps into uh, Lake Sakakawea. If you if you ever ever fish Sakakawea, you've heard about the Little Missouri Arm. We now have bighorns up there too that we manage uh, cooperatively with uh, three affiliated tribes. So basically, they now run along the entire Little Missouri River, which is well over a hundred miles. Wow! And uh, those numbers—that's just fantastic, uh, Brett. I know that uh, the state, the Game and Fish, does have a a very limited, actually a very coveted hunting season on bighorn sheep how does that work i know it's a lottery system and then there's one or two that are auctioned off how does that fit into the program correct so basically hunters will apply for just a bighorn sheep license annually during march and then i conduct the summer population survey the following july and august and from based upon that survey i'll determine the total number of licenses that will be issued and typically, we want rams harvested that are eight to ten years old, um, and so it's very limited. Usually, each year we'll have four to six tags, and then out of that, then uh, one of those will be auctioned through the Midwest chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation, with hundred percent of that money coming back to the department to to help manage bighorn sheep. Last year's tag went for one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. So. The good news is we don't have many tags. Bighorns are expensive to manage, but they are, as I say, pulling their weight there. They are now kind of self self funded program with the with the auction tag. Yeah, that pays for airplane time and my pickup and pick up gas and all that and all that stuff that goes into survey work and disease testing and and all that. So yeah, you just go don't go walking down a dirt road and counting them off to the left and the right, do you? You've got to- <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot. Like I say, they're they're like a high maintenance friend, but a friend worth having. That's for sure. Hey, Brett, what are the what are the goals of this program as we look off into the future? Right, maybe five years, ten years, and even further. What are your hopes for where this program is going to go? Yeah, well, between among North Dakota Game and Fish, uh, we have about 330 bighorns. National Park, in the north unit of the park, they have around 40. And then, like I say, we introduced bighorns from Montana, another stock from Montana into three affiliate tribes. We introduced 30 up there, and in two years, already up to around 60. They've doubled in two years. So we're already over, you know, well over 400 uh, with incre- increasing uh, populations and all those. So we're, you know, we're, we're now over 400 hoping to get the 500 total, which, you know, even 10 years ago was, you know, didn't seem possible. Ideally at some point down the road, if they stay healthy, 
we don't have any setbacks due to disease and we'd love to love to see a population statewide of 700 to 750 and that would you know that would translate to you know 10 to 12 licenses a year which would be fantastic that would be great and uh like you said those goals maybe a, a while back didn't seem so attainable but right now i think looking at the progress that certainly is something that uh that's a, a an attainable goal down long Certainly. term. Yes. Brett Wiedemann, uh, North Dakota Game and Fish, big game biologist in charge of the Bighorn Sheep Project. Brett, thank you so much for spending some time and, and just sharing your knowledge and experience with us. I, uh, I, I love hearing about success stories like this. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.